Welcome to another episode of Mic'd Up with Mellow and Big Country, brought to you by Mid-America RV. Why work from home when your office could be in Yellowstone? Mid-America RV is your gateway to adventure with their diverse selection of travel trailers, fifth wheels, teardrops, toy haulers. They have the right size RV for any vehicle, all covered by their exclusive RV warranty forever. Game days, remote work getaways, and family vacations are all better in an RV from Mid-America RV. Experience travel like you never have before. Find out more at Mid-America AmericaRV.com. You better believe it. Next up is going to be Downtown Lube. Make sure you visit them at Downtown Lube right here in the heart of Joplin, Missouri. They do, or excuse me, located on 1st and Main Street. They do specialize in tires and lube, but they are much more than that. So be sure to visit their website at downtownlube.com for the full list of services. Also, not a matter of matter of when you're going to need that oil change in those tire service. So make sure you get that taken care of right here in Joplin, Missouri at Downtown and welcome Lube. Into the show. welcome into the show. We appreciate you joining us wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple, Spotify, or right here in the call-in app. We do appreciate all of our listeners. What a weekend. We finally did it. The NFL draft has come and gone. It was a it was a good one. Our, our guy Matt. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to him. Spent day three on the ESPN draft desk. I know that was a big thing for him. It was a different draft though. It was a different draft. To me, it felt different. I don't know why. I, I don't like and you know Matt's mentioned it a couple times before being on the show. Is like maybe you know because we're not in the same office anymore, so we're not like as in tune with what's going on. But even with that, it just kind of leading up to it, you know, I was really kind of starting to pay attention to everything that was going on, the news that was coming and going. And, like, even being there Thursday night, I went to the draft in Kansas City right there in our backyard. It was a lot of fun. It was cool. Thursday night, though, brutal. Hated it. Did not like it. I thought it was an awful experience. I thought it was pain- it was planned very poorly. Um, I go Saturday, and I get to experience what I should have on Thursday. And I had a great time. It was a lot of fun. If I would have got to experience on Thursday what I did on Saturday, I would be raving about it. But the reason I'm annoyed with what happened Thursday is that they said, we're at capacity, and they just shut the gates. And you're watching people leave, and they're like, okay, now why don't you let people in? Since you know if they're leaving, you're no longer at capacity. And it just got to one of those deals where you have state troopers sitting here trying to take care of something, and they're like, this is not our event. We're told you're at capacity. That's, I'm sorry. That's, that's it. And it was. And it was just let any more people in. Mm-hmm. And it was just annoying because you then have people that are coming up, you know, like, hey, I just went to get a, like a burger and a drink, and like my kids and the wife are in there. Like, they don't, like, I don't have my phone on me, like, you know, it's in my wife's bag, a purse or whatnot. And then you have this guy is like, go ahead and tweet, hashtag the NFL separates families. And like, you just have people just kind of cracking jokes or whatnot. But all in all, on Thursday, it was just like, hey, you can't get in. That's it. And it was kind of annoying and frustrating, but. That's not the part because that doesn't really matter. Nobody cares the fact that I got locked out of going into the draft because you I was two minutes late. So, um, we just went on a side street and just kind of watched from oh. an angle. So we didn't get really the best viewer experience, but it was at least to say that we were there. I I'm actually glad that you have that a lot of walking. <laughs> I feel like every time a city hosts the draft, all anybody says is like, "Oh, it was amazing." It's the best. Oh ever. yes, the city did a great job. Or the same with the Super Bowl. It's like, what's the real story though? You can't do a great job mm-hmm. every time. I mean, if like the people are there on, like you know, when they if they're there hours beforehand and they get into all these amenities and stuff, like then it's cool. But you know, if you're out of town traveling, you got to work, and then you get there, and then you're trying to hurry up and find a parking spot. The city doesn't tell you like, hey, these are the areas where you can park. 
near the draft. They did not do a very good job of letting people know that. And there was only one entrance for people to get into, and you have to trek all the way around the draft, all the way around the World War One Memorial, and then get up there and walk through everything. It was just kind of annoying. Like It just felt like an unnecessary amount of walking. You know, I'm going to say this because I know our guy Brooks is. Did you download the OnePass app? <laughs> yes, I did. And the OnePass app did not have all the answers to my questions that I needed. I, I thought that the draft is such a weird thing because it's grown so much in popularity that I don't understand why you're not selling tickets to it if you're the NFL. Mm-hmm. Because it was like a first-come, first-serve thing. Like, hey, just download the app, and we'll see who all shows up. And then they capped it. Yep. Was it 60,000 people, they said? Yeah. Sell those tickets. On the on the lawn, that's like right underneath the memorial. So it was kind of maybe like a blessing in disguise to you that we didn't get in because we would have been all the way in the back, and it was shoulder to shoulder. I get you the know, capacity like stuff. Ass yeah. crack to ass crack. And I'm sure if you were down there, like, hey, this is just not yeah, but enjoyable. sell tickets to it. But that way everybody knows, mm-hmm. okay, I've got my ticket. And then if I make more money off of it, like you're going to sell out the draft. Yeah. I don't know where it is next year. I haven't looked yet, but uh, Detroit, I do know. Detroit. Start selling those tickets right now. People will buy them. You will sell out the event. Yeah. And then you, you don't have to worry about people traveling in and trying to figure out, am I going to make it in or not? You know, you have your yeah. ticket. And I did have a lot of friends or do have a lot of friends, you know, that live in Kansas City. And for them to kind of just be able to stop in and swing through on Saturday, I think was pretty neat. Because, of course, you know, there's not as many people there on day two and day three as there was the opening night. But it's also the thing with the NFL, too, is like this event has gotten like so much bigger than I think they ever expected. Yeah, I had somebody ask me this. For the draft. Like, when did the draft become so popular? Uh, Over the last 10 years, for sure, it's blown up. Say 10 to 15, yeah. I'd say even over the last five years, it's gone from kind of a niche thing to where now it's it's a mainstream. Like, it's on ABC, it's on ESPN, NFL Network. It's everywhere for this, this past weekend. Yeah. And it was really cool. Let's let's start talking. We already have about the NFL draft. But the Lamar Jackson contract happened right before the draft. We didn't, haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. He signs a five-year, $260 million deal, makes him the highest-paid player in the NFL. That's an average of $52 million, comes in just ahead of Jalen Hurts. And we, we've been talking about this. For a year, probably. For a year, probably. <laughs> uh, I was going to yeah. say for like a couple months, but I feel like it's even been longer than that. And he finally gets it. Uh, I, I think this was probably the right move by the Ravens, and I, I think that they can all reach out to Howie Roseman of the Eagles and say thank, thanks. Thanks for negotiating this contract mm. because we just went a little bit higher. <laughs> like just a million dollars higher. And I almost think it's kind of silly, too, that it, it got to that point. You couldn't have just offered this from the beginning? Or, you know, maybe they were like, hey, we'll give you 48, 49. He's like, nah, I want 55. Okay, I guess I'll settle for 52. Like, at that point, because we were talking about it on me and my buddies that went up on Thursday night, we were talking about it. Does that $5 million difference right there, does that does that even make a difference in your livelihood that you're aware of or no? Especially for Lamar like, Jackson. Like, he doesn't have an agent. He's not paying that yeah, agent. Yeah, so it's just... Like I'm, I'm happy for him. Congratulations, but I just, I think to reach that point where it's like I, I want to be the highest paid quarterback. It's like for what reason? Just to say that you were, because next year you're not gonna be. You're gonna be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL for seven months. Yeah, until four maybe. Just like just depending on. And they'll yeah. they'll finish his deal pretty early. Still, so I I think that they'll finish his deal, and he'll become the highest paid. 
They just extended his fifth year option. The Chargers did the same yeah, thing for Herbert. Like, so. you know, those guys are going to get paid. Those guys yeah. Are I, I think it's pretty safe. You know, we watched Jared Goff and Carson Wentz get paid early. We kind of questioned it, mm-hmm. or didn't question it, but I mean, then it didn't turn out uh, super well. But then questioned it with other players. Of like, Ooh, do we go ahead and pay them, or do we wait? Even Lamar Jackson was another one. Uh, Dak Prescott. I, I feel pretty safe with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert paying those guys. Yeah, I mean, we've seen them, you know, kind of play through the years and stuff. But then people are going to come back like, what about Lamar Jackson? He's won an MVP. He has, but he's also not played in the month of December the last two years. He's also not been there when the team needed the most in the playoffs, especially when there was the, I probably could have played, I just didn't want to hurt myself even further. I understand why you made the decision. It's, it clearly paid off for you right now at $52 million a season. But now it's just the, can we rely on you next year? And next year truly is a, hey, there's no more excuses. They have weapons. They went and signed them. Yeah, they drafted Zay Flowers, who is going to be good in that offense. You already have a good tight end. You got your running backs in J.K. Dobbins. Oh, and Odell's there to play with you. There's no reason for the Ravens' offense to not be electric next year and for Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson to have the best season yeah, of his yeah. career. And if he doesn't, he's not worth $52 well, million a year. It, so. <laughs> yeah. You're tied to him for a little bit. And they brought in Todd Monken, who was, the, I believe, the offensive coordinator at Georgia. So hope, we'll see what happens with that. He's, he's a good football mind. They've had a good offense down there in Georgia. We'll see what he can bring to the NFL and what it's like for Lamar Jackson to experience something maybe a little bit new. But that is, that's a good roster. The offensive line's still pretty good. Like you mentioned, they got guys like Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely. That tight end was a guy I liked a lot last year, Charlie Kohler as well. And then they can start adding again to their, their defense now and kind of getting back to what they were as the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, happy for Lamar Jackson, like you said. Enjoy it for the next eight months, a year, whatever it's going to be. until uh, her- I mean, Jalen Hurts got it for two weeks, yeah. a week. Which still is <laughs> like, kind of yeah, surprising. I really didn't think Jalen Hurts would get the money that he did, but he did. Uh, now let's talk about this year's draft. Bryce Young goes number one overall. Uh, Matt had been telling us that for weeks that it was pretty much a lock. It turns out to be true. One thing that a lot of people had reports on is C.J. Stroud. I mean, he was even doing damage control Thursday morning of the NFL draft to be like, no, I'm, I'm a good player. These S2 scores are bullshit. Don't listen to it. I'm a good football player. I can play football. Yeah. <laughs> and then he ends up going number two overall, and I know that you love these things. Is it a smokescreen? Mm-hmm. Are people putting out misinformation? 1,000% it was a smokescreen. And I guarantee you, the Indianapolis Colts were like, son of a bitch. Do you think it was the Colts putting it out? Like, man, we want this guy to fall. 1,000%. I 100% believe that Because that's the part. It's like, okay, there is a narrative. Where did it come from? Because the Texans had no reason to to put out any misinformation. Because nobody was coming up to yeah. get it. And if they did... If it was the Texans just trying to make sure that the, the Panthers wouldn't do it, if, or hell of a play. What if it was the Texans, because the Texans ended up trading up to number three. What if they were trying to mm-hmm. see, like, can we make C.J. fall? Can we, can we get him later? Can we make him fall? Or, you know, there was a lot of talk about Will Anderson's knee being just shredded and how he was going to fall in the draft. Were the Texans out there just doing some anti-recruiting on everyone and be like, nope, can't, gotta stay away from that guy. This Will Levis kid, though, whew, he might go two overall. I had it in my mock draft. I bought into it. I thought that he might, but mm-hmm. CJ Stroud goes number two. I like Stroud. And I was even, maybe I said this on an interview or just talking to somebody, I don't remember. 
if I were the Houston Texans, I would draft C.J. Stroud number two overall, and I wouldn't have even thought about it. I, I, I feel pretty yeah. confident in him. I'm not 100%, but I feel confident enough that he can be that franchise-level quarterback. And I came out saying, you know, if you're the Texans, you just have so many more needs. Like, maybe consider trading back and just collect on picks and add as much as you can to this team. Um, they do the exact opposite. They trade up and they get two great character guys that are going to be the foundational pieces of your franchise moving forward. And you got them right there at two and three, and you just kind of said deuces to everybody else. And I was sitting there watching it again at the draft with my buddies, and I it, it sounds kind of cliche, you know, kind of cringy at the same time, but I was like, like, that was history right there. Like, we just witnessed history. When was the last time we've seen a team have two back-to-back picks in the top like five in the NFL Madden. draft, let alone trade up to get there? I want to make this happen. Who do mm-hmm. I have to trade? And, like, and the fact that you just you made it happen, like you went and did it, the fact you got the Arizona Cardinals to kind of buy into it, another team that has plenty of needs and plenty of holes to fill, they trade all the way back to 12, and then they go, actually – we're going to trade up into the top 10 and get our offensive lineman of the future. Like It was just so much fun to see that amount of trading and action going on in the first round with teams. And I saw someone say this a couple years ago. It's like, you know, the guys that we're seeing be general managers right now in the NFL, we're around for the days of franchise mode in Madden where you would just kind of move things around and you didn't have as much, you know, stock into something. It was just like, okay, hey, like, yeah, I can move this and that and make this happen. We're starting to see that in the draft. Like, I know it sounds kind of silly, but at the same time, it is true. We've seen a ton of trades in the first round this year, more than I remember happening last year. In these teams where now they're, like you said, with the Cardinals, they're moving back, but then they're moving back up. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. the Lions moving back. It feels like a lot more teams are confident trying to work the board. I mean, so many GMs used to just be crapped on for staying pat. It's just not moving. Wherever they were selected, that's where they're going to select because they don't want to trade up or down. Uh, They don't want to feel like they got wrong. And the Arizona Cardinals ended up – Trading, and it was the the Texans. They gave up a lot to get back up to number three. Yeah, but I think it was even Matt that was saying like, if these two guys hit, if you get Will Anderson to be productive, and you get C.J. Stroud to be a number two overall quarterback, nobody's gonna mm-hmm. care. You know, or even looking back at like the Kansas City Chiefs when they moved up to take Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's yeah, looking back at that and being like, whew, think about what you could have had with all those draft picks. Can't believe you gave up a first this year or second last year, and, you know, next year, da-da-da-da-da. And CJ Stroud, who's his agent? Uh, David Mugetta. Son of a gun. There goes my yeah. David Mugetta and the Texans no longer getting players in the same organization. Conspiracy yeah. theory. Just, and I know that we've talked about it. He just has too many players. And Yeah, I think it's 46 or whatnot. No, excuse me, that was the number four. Uh, Go ahead. His players Sorry. are too Something good. Else. His players are too good. No team could be like, yeah, we're not going to negotiate with you. <laughs> good luck. I mean, that, that TikTok saying was like, this guy yeah. don't miss. Players this dude doesn't miss. For him to do that. I'm, I'm happy for yeah, CJ Stroud, though. I'm, I kind of find myself rooting for the Texans. I really like both those players, CJ Stroud and Will Anderson. Looking at your hat right now for a split second, you take a quick glance at it. It, it almost does. looks it's like a Texas hat. Colors, for sure. Yeah. I'm not going to be like a fan. What's going on here? But there are teams that I root for. And we That's something we do a lot on this show. You know, we kind of heel turn on things. And, you know, you've done a great definition of mentioning it with, like, you know, once everyone starts rooting for a guy, it's like, okay, I'm going to kind of start rooting against him. And then once everyone starts rooting against him, it's like, I'm actually going to kind of root for this guy. That was me with Will Levis. <laughs> like, seeing him fall out of the first round, 
dude, I felt bad for him. Like, I really, to just be sitting there in Kansas City, and I'm just like, I know he's on the inside of Union Station. Just live it. Oh, and in with his beautiful family around him. And, like, his girlfriend stole the show. Thank God she was there to just take some attention on the fact of, like, you're not getting picked here. Especially with all these teams trading in or trading back or trading back up. And Will Levis says, is this me? False. No, it's not. I Again. Out. I had a lot of tweets Thursday night, but it was giving me Aaron Rodgers vibes. And part of it was because I don't think I ever followed up on it was there was a chance that Aaron Rodgers could go number one overall. So when he didn't go mm-hmm. number one overall, you immediately started talking about him at number two. And Will Levis, it was the same thing. Like, okay, we know Bryce Young's going one overall, but Will Levis, maybe he goes two. So they were talking about him from pick two to 31. And he had yeah. to just sit there and take it. It wasn't like, okay, maybe he goes 15 overall, so we're talking about him from pick 15 to 31. It was immediately. Yeah. Two to 31. Whole night, just going back to him. And he, he looked bothered. Oh, I mean, I think there was a little clip of him kind of mouthing the words like, pick mother f and four and he just kind of like throws himself back in the chair and it was just like hey i feel like i'd be the oh, same way and let's say it was the colts tell him that and you get to four and it's anthony richardson and you're sitting at this guy that started 12 careers mm-hmm. games in college like i was at penn state then i went to kentucky i made kentucky somewhat competitive in the sec i'm good you know right here top projected top five pick and now i'm in the second round i hope he comes out firing i hope he does make it happen with the titans because we saw Ryan Tannehill didn't work out last year. Granted, he lost a lot of weapons, and there was no passing game. If Will Levis gets an opportunity, I kind of hope it happens. I disagree with you there because I still just don't like Will Levis. I think he just looks cocky, and I, I think I like the fact that he got humbled a little bit. He might come out and be good. Yeah. I, I can separate the two. There are a lot of people I don't like that are very good at football. There are a lot of people that I like. There's not good at football. He seems like a very cringy type of yeah. person. Like every you know cliche pickup line or whatnot that you'd say in a football locker room it's or a huddle, this guy's rattling him off. His girlfriend on TV. Yeah, sisters too. That's like one of my new mm-hmm. favorite things to do with the draft. Like Aiden Hutchinson's family last year, still oh, living yeah. right for my That's mom. That's one of the best looking. Top that like mom, dad, sisters, him, and then it's like even their significant others. It's like. This is just a winning bloodline right here. Like, yeah, holy We cow. probably should have talked about this pre-draft, but I forgot about it until watching the draft. That's one of my favorite things. Like, okay, let's identify who has the hot mom, who has the hot sister. It was Lucas Van Ness. He had a good lineup. And so did Will Lennon. Yeah, he did. Those two popped out off the tape. Lucas Van Ness, I... I don't know who decided to jump <laughs> yeah. in his lap and give him a hug. You have got to know better, man. And who the hell do you think you are to just jump hey, bro, on top of giant him? Camera here. I'm sure like the Packers are like, what are you doing? Get off of him. This guy's going to get hurt seconds after we draft him. There's a huge setup. They're gonna, they have lights. They've got a big camera. Like You know that your guy is on TV. <laughs> It was a true Michael Scott moment. <laughs> Get off. Yeah. Uh, one of my other favorite things to do is find the agent at the family house party. That's a good one. Like, okay. You don't fit in. You're clearly the yep. agent. <laughs> so that is good. I'll remind people of that next year, but that's always a fun one. You did mention Will Levis falling. Um, he did. Also, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't know that I would say that he fell. But I thought he would go higher in the draft. I thought he would go 12, 13. 
Yeah, he ended up going at 20 to the Seahawks, which ends up a great fit for him, I think, to be with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. That's excellent pairings for you to have. Geno Smith, no reason to not be you know, good and continue on the success you had the year before. Um, the only thing that kind of irritated me, and I might throw the Chiefs kind of in here with this, is why don't you go get a JSN once you see him fall past yeah. 15? Yeah. And you know I what I mean? Like, you're right there with yeah, kind of beat reporters, bloggers, and stuff reporting that too. And one person even quote tweeted, is like, hey, it takes two to tango. You can't just, you can want to go yeah. up all you want. You got to find somebody that wants to trade with you. And we, something we even heard was that teams didn't want to work with the Chiefs, they didn't want them to come up and get targets. That sucks. It's a tough spot to be in. But at the same time, I, I get it too, though. Like, if you're the Chargers and you're well, not the Chargers because they wouldn't trade with them, but uh, mm-hmm. the Seahawks at 20 or any of yeah. those other teams picking in that range. Like the Jets at 15, yeah. right? Like the fact that you trade your spots with the, the like, Packers. We don't like, these guys don't want you up here. We know they're coming up for a receiver. We're not giving Patrick yep. Holmes another target. You're asking sit at 31 and take an edge rusher. <laughs> We're not letting you take Zay Flowers or Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, you know, yep. another thing with these quarterbacks that fell too. With Will Levis, there was a quick uh, little era for Malik Willis. I think it's pretty safe to Boy. say he's done in Tennessee. Maybe not done, but, I mean, they drafted a guy in the second round. You have Ryan Tannehill there. I guess if things go really well for Will Levis, then you've got Malik Willis as your backup. But even yeah. then, you're going to want to pair Will uh, Levis with a veteran. Even if he is good and he wins that job, Ryan Tannehill's probably gone next year. You're going to bring in some kind mm-hmm. of a veteran, not no. Is Andy Dalton ready to just accept the role of? Yeah, he's somewhere. Just being a Chad Haney the rest yeah, of his career. He, I don't remember where Andy Dalton is now. Um, actually, I don't know. Has he signed anywhere? The Panthers. Yep. Oh, I knew that. So he Excuse is Mister Backup. So yeah, that works out well for CJ Stroud. <laughs> Or yeah, excuse he's me, Bryce. Be one of my new favorite backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Not that he wasn't already, but now he has officially taken on the. On the back. What's his nickname? What is his nickname? Yeah, Red, red Rifle. Rifle. Red Rifle. No. Not the spaceship. Not a red no, spaceship. No, red Rocket sure. is what uh, some people on the podcast. Were calling it. <laughs> wasn't me. My bad. Wasn't me. I didn't do it. It, it was me, and I said it very confidently, and it just kept rolling 20 minutes into the show. <laughs> Will Levis falls to the Whoops. second round. Um, I did see over the weekend somebody made an argument that maybe it's better for Will Levis to have fallen to the second round. When you look at guys like Dak Prescott, who has fallen in the draft. You look at Jalen Hurts, yep. who's fallen in the draft. Those Derek guys came Carr, and they showed you know, up, second and round. guess what? They got paid earlier. And Jalen Hurts got paid a lot of money. Boy, yeah, that's so, true. Uh, maybe there is something to like, – obviously, you'd probably want to get that first contract as a first-rounder, get that fifth-year option even picked up. But, man, like the Jalen Hurts contract is real nice. He's going into year five, and he's going to be the, one of the highest-paid players in the NFL. Let's, let's play the hypothetical because about five years ago, four, you know, five, six, seven years ago, Derek Carr signed a contract for like a four-year, $25 million a year. It was a four-year, $100 million deal. That was considered a big contract oh, yeah. at that point in time. I was like, man, I can't believe they're paying him like close to 30. We have doubled that. By the time Will Levis reaches a contract in four years, or you know, some of these quarterbacks like Bryce Young, C.J. Stratton, five, maybe six, uh, 
What, what's the pay going to be well, per quarterback? Back, you mentioned Derek Carr, even uh, Dak Prescott, too, a name that we keep mentioning. Mm-hmm. I remember when they were like, no way you could pay him 35. He's not worth 35 mm-hmm. mil. Uh, yep. Or again, the Patrick Mahomes contract. At the time, a lot of people thought, like, you can't win with that contract. You're going to pay him $45 million a year? You're not going to be able to win and build a team around him. We're, what, three years removed from that? That's the best contract in sports. Yeah, and I think last year was the first year that it hit, like, probably one of the higher numbers of his contract. They're going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I I thought I saw that Patrick Mahomes is the most expensive quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes I sense. That I mean, he did well. just resign that deal. Uh, maybe Jalen Hurts breaks maybe it next Jaylen year. Maybe Lamar Jackson does. Who knows? But I, yep. I, there was definitely an era of you have to win while your quarterback's on a rookie deal. Turns out, mm-hmm. guys like Aaron Rodgers just not very good quarterbacks. This <laughs> 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 is just kind of how it pans yeah. out, you know. <laughs> I mean, your quarterback's generational talent, you can win Super Bowls. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. It happens. One other thing that I thought was really funny Thursday night was watching the Bears trade back again from nine. Like, granted, they moved back one spot, but I just started thinking, I was like, Brian Poles is going to listen to Big Cat, and he's just going to get as many draft picks as he can in this first round because he had this idea. I was like, you know, just trade back and then trade back again and again and again, and then you end up with all these picks. And he did it twice, and you're just kind of like, all right, Bears are just going to keep accumulating picks here. Like, if you're sitting there at nine Mm -hmm. and you know your guy's going to be there at ten, Go collect a third-round pick or fourth-round pick. If he's going to be there at 11, get a cheaper contract. let's go ahead and get another fourth-round pick, I guess. <laughs> Eventually, you're going to have like six fourth-round picks, but maybe it'll plan out. And it, I, I liked the Bears draft a lot. Uh, another thing that really surprised me Thursday night is that we had two running backs go in the first round, which wasn't super surprising. But we had two running backs go in the top 12. That was surprising. B. John Robinson, I I feel like a lot of us knew Atlanta was in on him. And there was even like posted Mm -hmm. notes shared that B. John, no matter what, from somebody in the Falcons building, who knows if it was true or when it was written. They pulled my move, which I got from Kevin Costner. I think a lot of times that stuff (laughs) happens afterwards. Oh, yeah. After the pick is in, somebody's probably just writes real quickly. Quietly to themselves, <laughs> Bijan, no matter what, on a post-it note, crumble it up, unfolds it, and then, like, had this since last April. Hey, I had a post-it note that said, speed edge rusher, no matter what. You also look at the other two I sent. Big body receiver, no matter what. Cedric Tillman, no matter what. Those were the three I had. One worked. One for three. I'll take those off. Kind of, they got a bigger body receiver. He weighed 200. Yeah. That's, so, that's nice. so that's nice. 6-2. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Take two it. running backs in the first round, though, really surprised me. I was surprised it was the Lions that, that did it. That was to more trade. surprising than it. They had traded back and then traded up as well, right? Wasn't that another uh, one of no, those situations with them? Okay. Yeah, because they switched with Arizona. Arizona had that 12 from Houston. The Bills traded up, up and but, got Jameer Gibbs. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I get it. It was the fact yeah. that it was the Lions who – Already at the time had DeAndre Swift. Now we know they hated him, so he's not there anymore. But then they also just spent money on David Montgomery to be there. And he let um, Mr. Touchdown walk. Uh, Jamal Williams. So for them to draft a running back at 12 felt a little bit rich. And then they, with their second round, their second pick in the first round, drafted a linebacker. 
Jack Campbell. And so after the first round, I was laughing at the Detroit Lions, thinking, what are you guys doing? Like, do you think it's 1999? You're drafting a linebacker (laughs) and a running back in the first round. But when you step back and look at what the Lions ended up with, don't like... Just throw out the rounds. It doesn't matter when these guys got picked. If you told me with the first uh, three rounds of the draft that they would get Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, and Hendon Hooker. That's a damn good three days worth of drafting. Because a lot of people thought they might even get Hendon Hooker in the first round. So say swap that, so Hendon Hooker and Jameer that. Gibbs. Hooker goes in the first round, Gibbs goes in the second, Laporta goes in the third. Everybody would have loved it. Yeah. Said you got great value. So they oh, end up with for the sure. same players. They just did it in a different order. So I actually like this. <laughs> this is actually what the Raiders tried to do a couple years ago, and it failed miserably. For the Lions, I don't feel like it's going to. It's just like, hey, we wanted these guys. We don't think Jack Campbell was going to, for some reason, he's not going to be there in the third pick in the second round. Let's just take him now. <laughs> so it's like that works out. Even with Brian Branch, I thought he was going to be a first-round type of guy. I thought a, a team would look at him and go, you know, hey, you can play corner, you can play safety. This will be interesting. False to the Lions. Lions desperately, don't desperately, but they need that secondary help of guys that they can rely on. And I think that's another thing, too, with uh, Campbell is that, he wants guys that are going to come in and fit the culture. And I think a guy like Brian Branch does that. I think a guy like Sam Laporta does it. He has that grit, you know, Campbell's keyword there for the Lions, after the catch. You throw that in an offense, that's going to be good. Same with Jameer Gibbs. And then Jack Campbell on defense. It's a hard-hitting guy who fills holes. Like, that's what the it's Lions right. there love. There were a lot of people that were shooting on the Lions. And I think if we do step back and look at it, that's a pretty impressive draft that they had. And even other teams, it started to get leaked after the first round of Jameer Gibbs was not going to make it past pick number 15. The other teams were trying to trade up to get him. That wow. I think it was even the Jets traded back and knew if he was sitting there, they were going to draft him, even though they already have uh, a pretty damn good running back, too. So I, you can laugh at the Lions, but I they're another team that I hope it works out for them because I like all five of those players that we talked about. I know it's a running back and a linebacker in the first round. I really like both those players. Big fan of Brian Branch. Uh, Sam Laporta in the second round can be a very good tight end. And then you sit Hendon Hooker behind Jared Goff for a year, maybe two years, and see if he can do anything. And if not... He yep. drafted him in the third round. He can be a career backup guy. Career backup. <laughs> and you're fine with that. Like you truly are. You know, another team that we heard, you know, had a really good draft in the media was the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they had a good like Thursday, Friday. After that though, it's just kind of like, eh, like you're just kind of plugging holes. Like I don't like the fact that you got Broderick Jones to help the offensive line protect Kenny Pickett. I like it. Joey, Joey Porter Jr. on defense. I expected him to go in the first round. He did not. And then to get Keanu Benton, the defensive tackle out of Wisconsin, and then Darnell Washington, the other big name that we're all aware of, falls to the third round. Strictly because of that knee injury, I guess, ended up being worse than what we all realized um, because he had failed medicals. But if that works out in Pittsburgh, you have him and uh, Fairmuth. Yeah, Whoa. I like that pick. Yeah. Two athletic big yeah, tight ends. Taking the chance on it in the third round, the fact that he fell. He was a first-round talent that fell to the third round. So maybe his knee is torn to shreds. Take a chance on it in the third. Who cares? Like, maybe he never plays for you. It's still a third-round pick. Like, what else were you supposed to get there? And I do. I love the fact that Joey Porter Jr. fell to them. Like, I had him mocked yep. in the first round to go to the Commanders. 
right in front of the Steelers. I wanted to see him go to the Pittsburgh Steelers where his dad played, and they did it. And that's something that we saw, you know, with uh, Joey Porter Jr. goes to the Steelers. And then I know you saw it, too. Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. What a moment. <laughs> I know. I don't want to talk about it too much because it teared up the three times that I've watched. It was one thing to see him sitting on the desk when they told him. But the next clip that you see of him making yep. the phone call yep. and, like, do you want to come work yeah. with me next week? I think it was Mike Damn. McCarthy. Even was like, hey, we're going to need you to ride with your dad so you make sure he gets to work on time every day. Like, that <laughs> yeah. is a moment. And my dad's not super into sports, so we don't have, like, those bonds. But to see somebody else have that of, like, going to work with my dad, that's pretty special. And now on to that's a different cool. topic before I cry today. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles. You mean the Philadelphia Bulldogs? I don't know what like they're doing. I do. It's funny. <laughs> Why is everyone else letting right, them do it? It's funny, but it's also that's like, my it might question. Be scary. It might be scary. So we laugh at it now. <laughs> so like oh, now, like you said, the Philadelphia Bulldogs. Until you really start to break down who they took in this draft of getting Jalen Carter, who I, I think was Mel Kiper's number one overall player, and is going to be mm-hmm. a damn good player. And then you get Nolan Smith as well. And then even later in the draft, get Keely Ringo. At one point, all of those guys were projected first-round picks, and they got them all. Yeah. It could be very special. And one thing I've heard with Jalen Carter is that Jordan Davis, the former Georgia Bulldog and defensive lineman who plays for the Eagles, really did a good job of taking Jalen Carter under his wing at Georgia. And it was kind of, yeah. even though they were only a year apart, it was like kind of a mentor big brother type that kind of kept him out of trouble and kept him in mind. Now you get that. You get, um, who else is it they have? N'Kobe Dean was also there on yeah. that defense. I think it's going to be really good for Jalen Carter to come in and be like, oh, these were the upperclassmen when I was at Georgia. I can't mess around. These guys are the leaders. And then, you, you know, obviously the Philadelphia Eagles already have just a great roster and the leadership in place with those veterans already to keep Jalen Carter in check. And I think he can be a very good football player. Just the annoying part for this with the look at the Eagles is the fact that you got another Fletcher Cox and another Brandon Graham. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, once those guys move on, it's like, all right, hey, we have the same guys right here. And they're already ready to go. They already have experience. They know what we want. They know how we do things. Part of the culture. Overrated, too. Maybe I'm just thinking too much. The fact that these guys are already just comfortable playing alongside each other. And communicating. Oh, 100%. Howie Roseman said it in an interview after the draft was, you know, another thing that a lot of people kind of overlook is when these guys come to a new city, they don't know anything. They don't know how to get around. They don't know where to live. They don't know who to contact. They don't have anybody to go to. All of these guys do. And the quicker they get comfortable and ready to go to work, the better the Philadelphia Eagles football team is going to be. And they get that right there with these guys that they're taking in the draft. They do. And I I do. I think it's going to be potentially pretty scary what they're building on that defense. Because the Eagles had a a very good draft. We mentioned the Georgia guys. We'll see what they do next year. I'm I'm working on uh, 2024. Mock draft already. <laughs> I have been taking a Georgia player. <laughs> One of the corners out of Georgia. So it's okay. kind of funny, but it's also like we've got a trend now. I'm going to ride the trend until you yeah. prove me wrong. I'm going to ride the trend and see what they do because it is, it is funny. Well, even for Roseman, they'd be like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to ride the trend too until it doesn't work." To one of these guys, bust. Yeah, I'm going to keep yeah, drafting them. 
something to it as well because he could look at it and say, like, man, we already drafted two Georgia guys. I don't know about taking a chance on this Ringo kid in the fourth round. Nope. He's like, screw it. I like that prospect. We're going to draft him. I even saw him on the call with uh, one of the first draft picks. Like, man, I'm a Florida Gator. You got me taking these Georgia Bulldogs. This sucks. What? He's drafting pretty well. Obviously, took yeah. the Eagles to the Super Bowl, and it's it's crazy that the the heel turn from the national media and everybody on Howie Roseman because four years ago, when you were sitting there with Carson Wentz as your quarterback and you're taking Jalen Rager in the first round well, instead of Justin Jefferson, in the second round too. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, and it's just like, what are you doing, dude? What's going on? And then since then, he's hit on receivers. He's traded for AJ Brown. He's hit on the offensive lineman that he's taken late in the draft. Same with these defensive guys. It's like Harry Roseman just said, hey, just trust me. Let me do my job. Yeah. And now he's – Yes, sir. And now he's probably one of the – he's one of the best GMs in football. He might be the best mm-hmm. GM in football. Who is the like, – so Harry Roseman, the number, number one? And part of it is, too, like you can give the Chiefs credit, two Super Bowls. They had one incredibly good draft pick. They turned everything mm-hmm. around for them. And credit to them yeah. for doing that. But, man, Howie Roseman took a quarterback, had him, lost him, and then found another one. <laughs> yeah, and went back to the same yeah. game, the yeah. biggest one. So even just doing a quick rundown of the, the first round, uh, Bryce Young going number one overall. Anthony Richardson number four overall to the Colts is another exciting one because their head coach comes from Philadelphia. And I'm very excited about seeing Anthony Richardson in that style of offense with Jonathan Taylor in the backfield too. That's going to be a fun one to watch. And if the Colts can fix that offensive line, look out because Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor together is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, with Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, um, and then, you know, they drafted Josh Downs as well right here in the third round, the wide, uh, the wide receiver from North Carolina. That could be pretty good. They got break Freeland, uh, Freeland as well, the offensive tackle from BYU. I mean, there was some talk of him being like a second yeah, or, guy, right? Like going right there in the second round. I saw him once you get him in the, the fourth. The Chiefs. So that's what I thought as well, yeah. So, I mean, that works out well for um, the Indianapolis Colts. And, I mean, they had a ton of picks this year. So just the fact that they were able to add some, hopefully some quality, quality depth because injuries have just once they hit the injury bug, they just fell apart last year. There just there wasn't any other guys to step up and kind of keep them going. But the other thing that kind of concerns you with Anthony, Anthony Richardson, excuse me, going to the Colts is he's gonna have to play. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have another guy to just be like, okay, hey, you sit behind and just learn. You're you're gonna be the dude. You are starting week one. So if you're the Colts and you know you're Chris Ballard, it's like, hey, I I need this to work out. Like I don't know how much more time I have here to just be like. We just need a quarterback. We just need a quarterback. I don't. I'm just kidding. (laughs) If Sam Ellinger beats Anthony Richardson in training camp, Chris Ballard's fired right then and there. I mean, Uh, sorry. They also have Gardner Minshew. Man, do you remember when people used to think he was a starting quarterback in the NFL? Minshew mania, man? Yeah. Unbelievable. (laughs) You were one, weren't you? Were you one of them? Huh? I thought it would be cool if it was a guy that comes out of like Washington, like you know, come out of Wazoo and just be like, "Yeah, hey, I'm going to be this mustache, you know, hick dude, and end up being a good quarterback." It's just like, I got, I got tired of it very Same. quickly. Same. Uh, some other notable first-round picks. We talked about the Seahawks and getting Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, they also get the corner out of Illinois, Devin Witherspoon, uh, teaming up him with the the secondary that they already have. 
Yeah, and the picks they nailed on right. last year. I mean, that's a good young uh, defense. Tariq Woolen, uh, fifth-round corner that they took, was almost the defensive rookie of the year if it wouldn't have been for Sauce Gardner. But now you have Witherspoon, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, Tariq Woolen. That's a damn good secondary. Don't they have a, a Neil kid as well? Mm, I don't think so. For the Seahawks? Something Neil, something Ryan? I don't know what I'm thinking of. All right, I'm I don't, I don't know either. Just going zip it. A lot of praise for Witherspoon as well. A couple other notable first-round picks that we haven't uh, talked about yet. The Tennessee Titans taking uh, Peter Skronsky. I get it. I don't know why you're getting it as a guard. You have a giant yeah. hole at left tackle, and you take a tackle, and then you immediately are like, He's going to play guard, actually. Guards are really cool, and they're valuable, and I think that they're maybe a little bit more valuable than they get credit for. But you don't have a left tackle at all. So that one was a little bit questionable for me. Uh, maybe they get him in camp, and they're like, you know what? Yeah, you can play left tackle. And I'd feel a little bit better about that pick, but that was an interesting one for me. Yeah, and, you know, like, could kind of continue with that, too. Just, like, the Chiefs, their, their draft for me – it, it wasn't anything special, you know, like we we're both chiefs fans sitting here talking about this. And I think it was nice that you, you get guys at like spots of need, but there's also not any expectations on these guys to be something special. And so I don't know if that maybe takes the pressure off of them or takes pressure off the draft picks, um, you know, for Brett Veach in terms of, you know, Hey, well, we didn't really nail this draft like we needed to last year. You, you did, you know, you needed to, and you in fact did. But then sitting here looking at it, it's like, okay, you got a speed edge rusher, you got a big body receiver, you got yourself a defensive tackle, you got yourself an offensive tackle. So it was just like, okay, these are all spots of need, and you filled them. My now take, what's going to happen? Because there just wasn't that big splash that I was hoping yeah. for trading up. I had the one. Chiefs as one of my draft losers, actually. And my take on it was you checked a lot of boxes. Like you said, okay, you needed an edge rusher, got one. Needed a receiver, got one. Right tackle, got one. When I look at the Chiefs draft, I don't see a single starter that they're getting for this draft club. And Brett Veach is very good at his job. I could be wrong. I just don't foresee it happening. Even the pass rusher out of K-State, you draft him in the first round. Super athletic, I had mentioned him. Tied to the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. I just don't know that he's given you anything better than what you have already. Uh, Rice, the big-bodied receiver, we'll see. I, just to be honest, I'm a little bit jaded on the Kansas City Chiefs drafting receivers. It has yeah, and I mean, hell, you know what? Even defensive linemen. He led the FBS. Like The thing with these two guys that they took, the Felix kid out of Kansas State who's from Kansas City, it's a great story on that, and then to be drafted in Kansas City where the draft was, special moment, that's cool. It's like they did well in their conference, and like same thing with the Rasheed Rice kid from SMU. In their conferences, you know, Felix in the Big 12, Rasheed Rice at SMU, it was like, hey, those were the top guys there. It's just along like the national, they weren't up there, or at least you didn't hear about them, kind of like leading up to it. So maybe it's just they go, hey, like no one else really talked about these guys, but they were up there. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Isaiah Pacheco last year, who did have great numbers at Rutgers, and, you know, especially like yards after contact that was really high up there and everyone just kind of seemed to overlook it. And it was like Brad Veach saw it. I was like, hey, yeah. I'll take and a swing I think at that. that one, of these guys will hit. one of these guys will hit. And I, I think and if I, I had to bet on it, the safety that they took out of Virginia Tech because Brett Veach can yeah. find secondary players. Boy, he's good at it. Or 
Coburn, the defensive tackle out of Texas. I think that he is just a very specific role player that is going to be good in that one role. He's the new Con Saunders. So we'll see what happens with them. As far as other teams that I just really wasn't impressed with, uh, the Jaguars, I didn't think they did anything that really super impressed me either. You take an offensive lineman in the first round, but this is almost like a, ooh, we got a guy who might be facing a suspension. Let's go ahead and draft his replacement. Yeah. And you draft these guys to play for you for four years or more, not just because somebody's getting suspended. And then I thought it was a little bit of a reach with Anton Harrison. Yeah, that's kind of what I was wanting to ask you is, you know, was that a good value right there to take him at the end of round one? Because um, they don't have a right tackle, right? You know, Juwan Taylor ended up leaving, signed with the Chiefs. Maybe you can put him in at right tackle, but then at the same time, like you said, if Cam Robinson gets suspended, you're going to have to start at left tackle. And then what are you going to do at right? You know what I mean? So it's just kind of one of these deals, too. You take him, and is he going to be put in a position where if he doesn't do good on the start, he's just going to get his name ran yeah. through the mud? It, like Walker Little is already there. He's probably going to be the right tackle. Or maybe he slides back over to left tackle and you put Anton Harrison yeah. right. I, I guess I'll give him credit because you're doing the best that you can to protect Trevor Lawrence. And I am – Always a fan of that. If you can protect your quarterback, go do it. So I didn't love their draft class either. The 49ers had a bunch of picks. I didn't feel like they hit on any of them. Yeah, like I said, a lot of draft picks. They take the safety out of Penn State. Their first pick was in the third round, so take it with a grain of salt. I just didn't think they got anything. Too great, and they did. They were the first team to select a kicker. Again, they was in the third round. Well, you didn't like the Jake Moody pick. I thought of you just the name alone. (laughs) I will say that Uh, I definitely thought of you. I was like, oh, this is big country's guy. (laughs) Which I don't even know if that's true, but to me, he's your guy. (laughs) Do you think he was going to be good? Because you named Jake Moody. I didn't think anything other than oh, that's big country's guy. Boy, we've got a 36-yard field goal on the right hash to win the game. Can can Mr. Moody do it? I, was like, I don't know. Is he in a good mood or bad mood? <laughs> so temperamental. What kind of mood is Hard he in to hit this? Uh, another team that I thought did a pretty bad job was the Chargers. Uh, Quentin Johnston in the first round. I like that move, actually. Other than that, not super impressed with what the Chargers did. I don't even like Quentin Johnston going there. You already have two big-body receivers. Keenan Allen is probably... He's a year or two away from not producing anymore. Mike Williams is always hurt. So that's another one of those surround your quarterback with some weapons. They probably should have went tight end instead at that pick. That would have made a lot more sense. I don't have a problem with them taking another receiver. I think that's starting to be a trend in the NFL. You know, we saw it with – Hell, ever, just about every team that took a receiver. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's going to be wide receiver three. Quentin Johnston, he's going to be wide receiver number three. Zay Flowers might be wide receiver number three. They went back to back to back. Yeah. Just loading up that offense. It's hard to find good receivers, so I, I guess it's not for those teams. Though. They all have very good receivers. And then Jordan Addison going into the first round, too. I know he was a receiver that you liked. A lot. Pairing him with Justin yeah. Jefferson, you got two of the best route runners in the NFL now. They just need a like. If I feel like I overuse this, but Kirk Cousins again doesn't have any excuse to not be good next year. Like we all kind of realize, like, hey, that might be his last year there. If you're the Minnesota Vikings and he does have a good season, but you feel like you're limited because of who your quarterback is, you have everything else. You have Dalvin Cook at running back. You got two good receivers. Oh, and you traded for freaking Hawkinson last year from Detroit in the interdivision trade, which 
kind of threw me for a loop there. But, like, you have all these weapons on offense. Go make it happen, damn it. Yeah. Um, another draft class that stood out to me for the positive uh, is the Arizona Cardinals. I like what they did with the draft. And, again, working the board of sitting there at number three, trading back to 12, trading back up to six. I really like the fact that they drafted Paris Johnson. And I know there were there's a little bit of people poking fun. I was even a little bit too. Uh, my boss is a Cardinals fan, so I was like, "Oh, you're going to listen to Kyler Murray on who you want to draft." Mm. But I like that pick, Paris Johnson. He's he's the left tackle that you need, and if you can get it, great. And the fact that they did it while also getting a future first round pick, again working on my 2024 mock, they're getting Marvin Harrison Jr. next year. You got to feel pretty good about That's that. That's scary. Yeah, who's the receiver that they took out of Stanford? What's his name? Michael Wilson. Uh, Cardinals. Do you have all their? I don't yeah. remember who they took off the top of my head. I, I don't know if you had their entire draft. I think they did. I think his name was Michael Wilson. But anyway, he was a pretty high-rated receiver by Chris Sims. I think he was like his third yeah. receiver in the yeah, draft took class. Took him in the third round. And so, like, if they seem to hit on that, like, just and he's not that typical receiver that the Cardinals have been drafting too. Of the little five-eight guy. I mean, he's six foot two, two hundred thirteen pounds. He's a bigger body. I would have loved that in Kansas City. Let's, you know, one but thing that's been on it's my fine. mind a lot lately is the fact that big-bodied receivers are now six foot two, two hundred and ten pounds. Isn't that yeah. wild? Like, there's no more six five, six right. six deals. Like Megatron deals, dudes is what I meant. Yeah, I'm a older. I remember Jerry Rice, who was six foot two, two hundred pounds. Nobody thought Jerry Rice was a big body receiver. Jerry, Jerry Rice, what? Six foot two, two hundred pounds. And Michael Irvin, about the same size. Like those guys. I thought he was much smaller than that. That's because back then, to be a big body receiver, you were damn near tight end. You, you had guys that were six foot four, two twenty, playing receiver. I, I, maybe we're just in an era where you see that at receiver, and you're like, "Hey, bud, add ten pounds and go play tight end." Because you don't yeah. see many receivers that are six foot four, two twenty anymore. Those used to be big body receivers. Now you have guys that are five foot eight, 180 pounds playing receiver and they're doing it well. So where now you've changed the the requirements. The standard for big body receiver, I think is six foot two, two hundred and ten pounds. We can call you a big receiver in the NFL. I'm not trying to get distracted here, but I am blown away at Jerry Rice being six foot two. I thought he was like 5'11", 5'10", my entire life. You know life. one of my weird things is height. Like, I never once looked up his size because I was like, he looks smaller on the field. That's why I've always been like, I don't understand why Jay Rice was so good. Like, he wasn't that big. But at the time, like I said, he really he wasn't that big. Yeah, but I mean, like, six foot two and moving. Like, he even ran a 4'7", which, by the way, is fast. He ran a 4'7"? Let's not forget about that. Yeah. 4'7"? He was one of those guys that was like, yeah, track speed doesn't matter, though. Watch him turn it on. Michael Irvin was also six foot two. Yeah, six foot two, two hundred seven pounds. I thought Michael Irvin was massive. I don't understand the difference. I don't understand why mind works that way when I look at someone like perceive their size. I don't know, man. Because for me, it's low key kind of creepy almost. Chris Carter, six foot three, two hundred pounds. Nope, I thought he was also like five eleven. Randy Moss was like six foot four. He was big. Yeah. Uh, Terrell Owens was a big receiver, too. 6'3", 220-ish. Now I have to look to make sure. Terrell Owens? Pretty confident. Yeah. What did you say? 6'3", 220? 
<laughs> You're ridiculous. Uh, Randy Moss, I'm going to say 6'4", 205. Because he was pretty slender built. He was pretty slender built. He also came in so skinny, though. <laughs> Towards the end of his career, he was probably a little heavy. What did you say his weight was? Damn. 6'4", 210. You're disgusting. Let's hit another one. I don't know. Give me a name. I don't know. Give me a name. Uh, fuck. I can't even think now. I can't even think now. I'm stumped. Like, I'm stumped. Herman Moore used to be one of my favorite receivers. He was 6'4", 210 to 220, again, depending on the year. He felt like a giant at receiver. At receiver. He was, he, he was pretty big, but. Yeah, I mean, so now he plays tight end in the NFL, which is wild to me. Man, yeah. The the Patriots and Colts thing, that whole like, hey, you're not supposed to be able to touch our receivers. It changed the NFL drastically. But we, don't, we don't talk about that much. Just because they would just beat guys yeah, on speed. Because they, you can't touch these yeah. receivers, so now there is a place for Zay Flowers to play in the NFL. Those speed guys. What was Marvin Harrison's size? Six foot 190. Six foot 190. I don't know that one at all. I don't know that one. <laughs> I don't understand how you know this. Like, you don't have time to look it up. Marvin Harrison, how big is Marvin Harrison Jr.? 6'3", 210. 6'4", actually. They might list you as 6'4". <laughs> if he comes in at 6'3", 210, I might actually poop myself. I've seen the tape. That's 6'3". <laughs> Never seen him in person. Oh, my it's word. Weird. I have a weird thing with height and weight. It's, it's awkward. It's Tory Holt. Tory Holt. He was smaller. That's a good one. You've stumped me. Me. I'm gonna say six foot two hundred pounds. <laughs> I'm trying to hurry up and get it to load. Do, 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 do. Six Would you say six foot two hundred pounds? God bless it. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Six foot one ninety. We're done with the show. We'll be back at it on Thursday. And uh, oh, I plan man. on finishing this mock draft that I have. I have a, I have a big board for 2024. Do you want to guess how many players are on it? My, Your big board? Uh, how long have you been working on it? Because I think a couple. I think it was last year. I even asked you, and you're like, I already have like 180 mm-hmm. players on here. Because I think you stunned Matt when I, you said it too. I don't have them all ranked, but I do have like a big board, like watch list. It's 150. 150. Man, that was gonna be my I, guess. I get very excited about the next season. <laughs> I'll never forget that moment where Matt was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm making my list here. I'm about 130." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm at 180." He was like, "What? Like, I'm gonna have to get back to work." And he like just walked and, away. <laughs> you know, people get mad at me too, but I about mid-April I check out on this year's draft. I start too much content on it. Yeah, and I've had people like get annoyed, like, "Oh, you can't talk about the next year's draft. Finish this one." Um, even on other podcasts that I used to do a long time ago, people would be like, no, we have to talk about this draft. You guys can't talk about next year. And then me and Matt would. <laughs> but I get excited about it. And my theory is if you're still breaking down players and ranking them in April, you're behind. When April yeah. tax day hits April 15th, your player evaluation should be done. 
Oh, for sure. And if they're not, like, big yeah, old yikes. So, too. so uh, we'll be back at it on Thursday, uh, looking ahead, and probably maybe even get into uh, the NBA playoffs, baseball, everything yeah. else. But definitely going to dump into that 2024 draft. Did the Warriors win tonight, by the way? Last time I checked. Yeah, so okay. we'll definitely jump into that and talk to you guys on Thursday. We appreciate you joining us. We'll talk to you all again real soon.